Nick was hit by a flying toaster. Or, to be more precise, a falling toaster. It was a chrome-plated antique made of such heavy metal that it left a dent in the wooden floor, but not before leaving a gash in Nick's forehead. Ouch! was one of the tamer words Nick said as he fell off the rickety spring-loaded attic ladder, which retracted back into the ceiling like the landing gear of a spacecraft. Danny, his younger brother, ran into the hallway and promptly shouted, Dad! Nick got killed by the attic! There was certainly enough blood to suggest that he might have been killed, and although Nick was disturbed by the sight of his own blood, he was more worried about his father's reaction after all they'd just been through. Their dad came running and quickly sized up the situation. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, which is what he always said when things were clearly not okay. He took off his t-shirt and pressed it to the wound. He was sweaty from moving boxes into the house, and Nick suspected that this was not particularly hygienic, but when your head is gushing, you don't argue. Danny, get in the car, their father ordered, and, still strong from his old baseball days, he picked Nick up and carried him down the stairs. Dad, I can walk. It's my head, not my feet. Nick had just turned 14, and he could not remember the last time he'd been carried by his father. As they burst out of the warped and peeling front door of their new home, Nick had a horrible image of all the kids in the neighborhood watching this little domestic drama with mild amusement. Great, Nick thought. Just how I want to be introduced to the neighbors. Their car was still packed with most of what was left of their belongings, all still smelling faintly of smoke. A constant reminder of what was propelling them across the country. The car had broken down twice on their way to Colorado Springs, and Nick wondered if it would give out on them again between here and the emergency room. Just keep pressure on the wound, his dad said, as he started the car and backed out, crushing one box or another in the driveway. With the shirt now as wet with blood as it was with sweat, they sped off into a neighborhood they didn't know, in search of a hospital they had no clue how to find. If a fortune teller had told Nick two months ago that he'd be leaving Tampa, Florida and moving to Colorado Springs, he would have demanded his money back. There was simply no way. His mom was a well-respected dentist and his dad, well, he worked regularly enough and everyone knew and liked him. As far as Nick could see, their lives were built on some pretty solid ground. Fires, however, have a way of consuming even the most well-built families. Finding a hospital on your first day in a neighborhood poses its own set of problems, and GPS is non-existent when your cell phone service has been turned off because your father forgot to pay the bill. Nick suspected he would either heal or bleed out before they got there, because even in an emergency, his father was not a man who would ask for directions. When they finally found it, Colorado Springs Memorial was no different from any other hospital. The emergency room was full of various coughs, fractures, and bloody makeshift bandages, 
all swimming in an air of impatience and irritation. For the most part, Nick's bleeding had stopped, but he kept pressure on his wound. Beside him, Danny played a handheld video game while their father filled out forms and then tried to convince the Empress of Admissions that their insurance was good in Colorado. Nick figured it was like negotiating with terrorists. Shortly before they took Nick in to get stitches, Danny, without looking up from his game, said to him, Are you going to die too? Nick almost said something mean back to him for asking such a stupid question. But then an unexpected wave of understanding hit him. Or perhaps it was a concussion.